0: Hello and welcome to another sports next door podcast. Today is Monday, March fifteenth. My name is Owen and I'm joined as I always am by my neighbor Max. Uh, We are recording on Sunday night selection Sunday because I full well knew that I was not going to be able to get up tomorrow morning for our regularly scheduled time due to daylight savings. So we are doing Sunday night. Max, how are you doing tonight, my friend?
1: I'm all right. Uh I've got a lot of woes to nurse. It was not a kind night to Canadians in the UFC card last night. Was not a kind night to Jeannie Bouchard. I'm just going through the full docket. It's not been a kind night to Toronto our Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's not been a kind night to or a kind week to our Toronto Raptors. And we're hoping that one's gonna turn around soon-ish, but yeah. A uh, lot of Canadian, Toronto specifically, sporting woes to deal with. And all I've got to cope with that is uh, half a bottle of wine. And <laughs> beer. how are you doing? I'm hanging in there as well.
0: Uh, yeah, just so everyone knows, we're recording kind of third period. A Leafs game, Raps game is about to get underway here uh, on the East Coast. And a pretty boring day for me, all in all said uh i played a lot of 2k i've been really getting back into that of course with the playstation 5 uh in the household and um I, I feel like i'm getting a little bit better at the game i'm starting to figure out what some of the uh i don't know what you want to call it the players who know how to cheese the system i'm i'm starting to figure out how to beat that sort of thing and
1: of what course, are you playing a lot of 2k no i meant on uh, what game mode
0: oh ah uh... A little bit of my career mixed with some my team i've been playing some triple threat online and then i've done some online play now i'm seven in one online with just Ooh. the like regular play now uh but most but i think six out of those seven were uh quits <laughs> during the game
1: like you just cheese them piss them off so hard they quit yeah yeah hey, that that's <laughs> the best like you especially with the uh, my team there's like I I hate playing online my connection is just garbage it doesn't it's not even the shot timing it's like I think I'm clear for a layup I think I'm clear to pull up and I try it and there's a block on me yeah like before I've finished taking the shot and I immensely frustrating So, But, like, there's so many rewards on my team for doing online stuff that I just suffer through it. But, like, the rare game when just the opponent is so bad that I can just make the extra pass and find the open shot and, like – 10 minutes of that usually forces a quit is always blessed yeah. um your boy mckay have heard me complaining about the maple leaf struggles and it may be four two though we're in the midst of a coach's challenge of
0: course naturally
1: <laughs> it's just nothing goes well for us yeah. uh, we'll keep people updated <laughs> on that yeah it's a pretty loose live show uh that you everyone will obviously be hearing
0: tomorrow um, so not the same kind of vibe, but I will jump into a bit of an agenda for what's on the docket for tonight. Uh, we are going to briefly talk about the Selection Sunday and the NCAA March Madness bracket. It begins this week. Very, very exciting. Uh, one of the best times in sports when you've got a couple of the major North American leagues in full swing and you've got college basketball at the peak of its power. So a uh, good couple of weeks ahead in the sports world. We've got hockey, combat corner, basketball, football, uh, and then a couple of notes to wrap up on in tennis and baseball, but those will be very short. And without further ado, um, Max, there are a couple blue bloods who are not even in this tournament. Duke and Kentucky will not be in the March Madness bracket for the first time since 1976. And it is wacky to see how this has been constructed. Um, it's less so about how the teams have performed throughout the season. And I'm going to pause briefly as you could probably hear the ambulance run by my house. Uh, and I
1: thought that was the McKay of goal being waved off,
0: but. (laughs) And, uh, more so about who has been able to survive COVID scares. Um, because we know a couple of teams like Virginia, uh, Kansas had COVID worries earlier in the week prior uh, but they are in the tournament and obviously they'll have enough players available. And uh, it, I think as it's been uh, with 2020 now into 2021, there's going to be plenty of craziness as there always is in March Madness. And there's going to be plenty of unexpected things that happen because that is just what has been our lives for the last <laughs> year. Uh, but we, I do think in the end, just like these other sports we've seen, I think the top, competitor or one of the cream of the crop is going to rise to the top once again as we've seen in other sports with the Lakers the Dodgers uh the Lightning all winning and I guess the Buccaneers is a little different but they in the playoffs really turned it on and were the best team at that point in the season it's hard to
1: make that call over 16 games yeah as opposed to the other leagues
0: absolutely and so Similar to football, it's one game elimination in this tournament, but I think we will see a top-four seed from one of these four conferences be that team that takes it in the end. But it's going to be a fun couple of weeks to get there. Uh, And, yeah, just looking forward to some March Madness and, and a fun note to kick off the show that the bracket has officially been set. And I guess we'll probably do a couple brackets ourselves and break them down on Friday. Uh, along with our mid-season hockey report as well. I believe we'll set that up for Friday as well. So speaking of hockey, uh, we've got our live Leafs Sens commentary. Max has got it sitting to his left. and uh,
1: we're, It's not going too well.
0: Yeah, we're wallowing. Do we have an update on the results of the Coach's Challenge?
1: Oh, like I said, the, it got waved off. So oh. it, it remains 4-1 Sens. And you've got to think if they were going to have a spark. That was it. Uh, I I was in the middle of listening to you, watching the goal. It looked Mm -hmm. like the call is probably goalie interference. And I don't know, it it doesn't feel like a lot of whistles have been going our way, especially tonight. Ottawa's had three power plays. They capitalized on the last one. And that was what we might in retrospect call the beginning of the end of this game. And uh, to me, we had that four game or almost four game losing streak and I was able to remain optimistic in it because I felt like we were still getting more scoring chances and it was just a couple of turnovers hurting us. Tonight we've not had more scoring chances and it's been a lot of turnovers so it's more of the same but at a much more problematic volume and uh, Michael Hutchinson did not help us out at the start. Maybe some good news on that front, we can report a trade for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've traded defenseman Letnin from Russia, decided uh, he wasn't working out. They were happy with what they've got, which <laughs> I imagine they made that decision during the uh, more successful times and they make a trade for the Columbus goaltender <laughs> goaltending prospect do you want to try and say it because it's finished oh uh, I got it
0: yeah uh,
1: that sounds yes. pretty close to what I'm reading
0: <laughs> yeah Miko Lettinen going the other way um coming over I believe from Finland and he uh he is a guy that is an NHL ready defenseman but did not have a training camp to walk into um and is a and has was expected to knock out a guy like Dermot or Bogosian from the Leafs top six who have actually shown themselves to be fairly solid. Um, and obviously when you're expecting to come in and make a team's top six and you don't, then you're going to be unhappy. And I imagine the Leafs wanted to keep him because he's great depth defenseman to have in case of injuries, but he wanted to be moved. And so they fulfilled his request and Columbus has a bit of a, a I guess like a, a large amount of goaltenders in their system. And so they were willing to part with one of those. Seems like a pretty simple one-for-one swap. Vevelainen, a couple years back, had some success in the Finnish league. He uh, has played for Finland at in world competitions and won the gold medal with them in 2019 in the IHF World Championships um, and has also been on their junior team in the AHL and uh, has been a little bit down in his performance, but so I don't think we can expect too much from him. He's six one. He's a bit small for a goalie. Uh, a lot of people project his ceiling as a, as a backup at his, at his highest. So I don't know if that's going to solve our issues. I just hope we've got a couple of days off now after a back-to-back where you hope Freddie Jack Campbell can get healthier. You hope Austin can get a little bit healthier in those off days and this team can regroup and come back. Cause they've now, the gap has closed between them and the other top teams in the division. And uh, they're going to need to get back up on their horse and start playing like they did a couple weeks ago in order to maintain that lead.
1: Yeah. What a difference a week and a half can make. I mean, felt like we were on the top of the world not too long ago. And that feeling has 100% dissipated. I, yeah, I, I got to call out
0: Chris Johnson here who, uh, tried to work his voodoo magic by calling the senators juggernauts before tonight's game. As uh, if anyone's been following that Twitter saga, every time he's called a team, a juggernaut, they proceeded to go on a horrendous losing streak. Um, but unfortunately the voodoo did not work tonight. Um, we need him to throw it on the Winnipeg jets next. That would be where we need to send him off to. And hopefully, it, and like I said earlier, a couple of weeks ago, everyone has to take their turn kind of being sucky. And this is Leafs' turn. It's just about what they make of it from this point on.
1: Yeah, I. this is true and real adversity. It. You can't have it both ways. You either have to have a team go through it and it sucks in the moment or they don't go through it and you're worried about what's going to happen when they do. We're going through it now and I can't wait for it to end, but... You Never. hope they're going to overcome this. You know they have the pieces and the ability to do that. And you hope that overcoming it makes them that much more confident come playoff time. I do like this trade. Uh, I If they've decided Lettinen's not the guy, not a top six defenseman that they think makes the roster, and that makes sense when you look at Lettinen as a more offensive defenseman. He's not going to slot in too high. Um. And you've got great defenseman prospects coming up. Hutchinson's looked rough around the edges in his past couple of starts tonight, especially. So a third goalie at best probably in Vevelainen and Hope maybe he gets a couple starts late in the season and can pull off a w but
0: i'm just getting a little distracted it feels like you're at a rave buddy (laughs) with the the screen flashing and shit yeah i can see the red and white bumping off your face looks like you're having a a time up there in the in the suite
1: (laughs) okay well i'm glad it's not like the snot coming down reflecting it it's I was hoping it wouldn't be a rough night for allergies, but I think, uh, I don't know. I hope I'm not allergic to you, buddy, because I feel like there's been quite a few. I- I'm sorry. I-, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, well, we've spent
0: enough time together. I would imagine you've built up a tolerance over the years, but uh, yeah, it's, you've got the Leafs game going. I imagine that's what's causing the, the light show.
1: Oh, um, I've, I've got the Leafs game going and the Raps game on.
0: Beautiful. I might get that popping too, but first we got to talk about the Edmonton Oilers who get a win over the aforementioned senators who are beating us to a pulp right now. Uh, they reunite McDavid and Dreisaitl on the top line and they go banana land. Um, and McDavid is the first player to hit 50 points on the NHL season to no one's surprise. Uh, and the Oilers now four points back of the Leafs. Obviously the Leafs have games in hand, but the gap is closing. There are a couple teams all around. I think the second to the sixth place team in the division are separated by eight points. So even Vancouver starting to turn things around in their season. And there's a lot of teams uh, in the North division that are hungry who have righted the ship and are coming for a playoff spot. And just another team to add to the list, Vancouver, Edmonton, of course, with these two guys reunited, they need their, bottom nine to figure it out uh, but that's a common thread with Edmonton over the years and uh, we'll see what happens there
1: It must be great to live in Nunavut and just watch this Canadian division as a whole and have no <laughs> attachment to any one particular team that is where I would like to be right now
0: <laughs> yeah well mostly just so we could get on a on a pond right because I imagine <laughs> they've got places to skate everywhere it'd be gorgeous
1: Oh man, I like having like a little radio going, beers in the snow, pawn jockeys. Beauty.
0: That is all we have to talk about the North Division. And uh, not much to say. We are struggling through this evening uh, recording, but keeping the updates flowing. We'll have a halfway report on the league as a whole on Friday. Um, probably mostly North-centric because that is where we are. Uh, But there are some interesting storylines developing south of the border, and we will bring those to you. But until then, we'll take a quick break and be back for some combat corner. And we're back for some combat corner. Um, I saw one knockout, and I don't know if that's on your your card here. But besides that, Max, you got to let me know what's going on. What happened this weekend?
1: there were quite a few knockouts and most people probably feel more positively about the card saturday night ufc vegas 21 than i do um just a rough weekend for canadian sports all around two out of the three canadians getting knocked out on this card um one in about 20 seconds and the other in about a minute and 10 seconds but I'm going to kick off this segment with the only bright spot as far as I'm concerned in Canadian sports of the weekend and that's possibly hopefully the knockout you saw Charles Air Jourdain, with a crazy fight of the night performance that ends with a third round knockout after just a cumulative firefight on both sides I don't think this guy knows any way to win other than by stoppage and he showed that mentality Saturday night in his performance against uh, I believe he's Argentinian Rojo in like I said just a firefight both guys came out to swing wanted to back up as little as possible as rarely as possible and it was just a question of who could be crisper on their shots and whose chin is was gonna hold up more for the most part and that ended up being Jordan it was a really close first round I felt like he pulled away a bit in the second uh, started when both guys go toe-to-toe like that and just keep swinging um body shots can be huge and i felt like jordan utilized them a little better just ending his combos with a couple of ripping hooks to the body and then in the third round he finally found the shot that knocked rojo down and just stayed on it like like i said this guy doesn't know any way to win other than by stoppage he once i mean he was fighting the whole fight. Like he smelled blood in the water. And when he got an opening, he just pressed it, It had some great ground and pound on the first knockdown, brought it back to the feet and just stayed on it until he found the finish. Really happy (laughs) to have one bright spot to talk about this weekend. And uh, that was Charles Jordan. I think he did get his 50 K fight of the night bonus. Um, It'll be That was Rojo's UFC debut. I thought he as well looked really good. So it'll be interesting to see where Rojo goes from here to get a bit better of an indicator of where Jordan has, is at because his UFC start has not been as great as hoped. But uh, Saturday night, he looked great. And that was a really fun fight to watch. All right, the next fight I wanted to talk about was one that was scheduled a couple weeks back, Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder, and I said Angela Hill needed to be dominant, she needed to be impressive, and she needed to make a statement about where she belongs in the women's strawweight division, and I think she did exactly that. She just showed a levels to this game performance against Ashley Yoder, absolutely lighting her up on the feet. Uh, It felt like her right hand couldn't miss. She was landing it straight. She was landing it loopy. She was, generating a ton of power on her lead leg kick and when all that failed to produce tangible results in how hurt yoder looked she went to the body beautifully hurting her with a straight and then i guess the only thing you can really criticize about her performance is she might have been a bit overzealous on her follow-up knees to the body trying to chase that finish which if anything you've You've got to respect the desire to find that finish, even if uh, it ended up on with her getting put on her butt a couple of times. But the statement performance she needed at this juncture in her career, where a loss would have really set her back and a mediocre win would have not gotten her to where she wants to be. But I think a win like this, following those really close split decision uh, fights makes it i'm so curious about the face you just made
0: willie puts the leafs within one. one oh so hang in there right we oh. interrupt this regularly scheduled combat corner for a happy leafs moment and i don't know how much time is there left nine minutes
1: way less uh two
0: oh dear okay well Uh, I don't know if you want to get back to combat corner, but maybe we got to tune in.
1: Yeah, I might have to watch the last two minutes of this hockey game.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think we should break and then come back and you can finish up the combat corner and we'll talk a little leaf.
1: (laughs) And we're back after some regularly just scheduled Toronto Maple Leafs disappointment to resume combat corner and um, leaving off where I was with Angela Hill fantastic performance exactly what she needed i think the matchmakers have got to throw her right back in there in that top 15 she's showed where she's at being very 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 competitive with claudia godelia and michelle watterson and then totally dominating a girl who's out of the rankings in ashley yoder that's exactly what a top 15 fighter should look like, and that is Angela Hill. So congratulations to her, a much-needed and well-deserved win. Then we get to the main card, which had two stoppages by no contest due to an illegal foul the opener and the main event we'll get to the main event later but starting off with the opener eric yaboy anders knees darren stewart while he's grounded to the head and the fight ends by doctor decision this one was interesting Because the knee came at the end of an absolute barrage by Anders where he hurt Stewart multiple times and was just continually chasing the finish, trying to find that one shot that would at least set him up in TKO position. And he was doing that for about 30 seconds before it got to a scenario where Stewart was grounded. Uh, He has his knee and his foot on the mat with which along with his hand and other leg counts as more than two points of contact. Uh, Anders's knee goes up right away. He doesn't really have the time to check whether Stewart is grounded and he's just chasing that finish and contrary or different to the Jan Sterling fight. No DQ. This one is counted as a no contest. Now the other thing that was interesting about this was i don't know how hurt stewart actually was from the knee he did get his hands up to block it and it wasn't the same kind of leverage or momentum as the sterling yon knee and he was already really hurt before the sequence so the doctor has him walk forward walk forward doesn't like what he sees and stops the fight i, I think. Uh, plenty of referees at least plenty of fighters would have said no he's good to go the doctor probably saving him from him uh Stuart from himself and also just doesn't want that on his conscience and sending out a man to get further damaged. so I don't hate the decision it's just almost refreshing or different to get pure medical common sense as opposed to a just bleed, nah, you're fine. You can go get it at 40% mentality. But interesting to have another illegal knee. Um I I don't know what how much of a disincentive there is to stop these strikes if Anders isn't punished for it. it it is a heat of the moment blow but we'll talk about this more with the main event if you don't if there's no punishment for it then it's there's no incentive really to not do it and it, it incentivizes being more vicious so the next fight is uh The one I have to really eat my words on on this card, Gavin Tucker versus Dan Ige. I was high on Gavin Tucker. I thought he had all the tools to win this fight, and instead he got KO'd in about 20 seconds, which uh, the worst part is I talked about Ige's hooks and Ige KO's Tucker with a straight. That's not really the worst part, but just... what. walk all over me a little more why don't you Danny Gay uh I did call the explosiveness which I think is what you attribute or I attribute this finish to Tucker just underestimating how quick and how fast and how powerful Danny Gay is look didn't really respect the distance in the striking and looked to just get right to work and started throwing and Ige was the quicker fighter he Tucker starts setting up one shot. Ige explodes in, lands that straight and almost a flash KO. So exactly what Dan Ige needed and exactly what Gavin Tucker did not. He, I, at 35, you don't, I don't really see a path to UFC title contention coming off a loss, which is tough. Um kind of busted up about this one he was a fighter I really enjoyed watching and really had my eye on so great win for Danny Gay it it shows how dangerous this guy is and how the kind of slow meticulous take your time over five rounds performance that Calvin Cater took to approach a fight with him was the correct one you've got to respect the range you've got to let him make the move and counter off that. Because if you don't, he's just too athletic and has problems, power in his hands. So tough one for the governor, but he is only 14 fights into his career so not a ton of wear and tear if he wants to keep fighting i think he can keep fighting and uh i i hope to see him get back redeem this loss and show something special because i think he's a great fighter but saturday night belonged to danny gay and uh, the aptly named 50k in this case the canadian woes continue in the co-main event between misha surkin and ryan Spann. Serkinov kind of surprised me and scared me with his aggressiveness in this one. He came out looking to just throw and I think trying to just pressure span and neutralize the threat with his own offense, which sounds great in theory, but leaves you open to the counter strikes. And that's exactly what happened. And a minute in, I think even less uh, in like the southpaw orthodox matchup all it takes is one clean right hand and that's what span had the younger more athletic fighter just timing the older chinnier fighter and southpaw orthodox matchup makes it that much easier clean straight counter strike from span and then it was just a matter of being diligent and being vicious on the follow-up and Took it to the ground once couldn't quite find him lets him back up keeps pursuing it and makes it happen and no messing about the second time on the ground just keep steady and fair enough stoppage i just span is a really dangerous fighter on the ground as well most of his finishes have come by submission so i i see the idea in Cirkunov looking for that finish or the pressure in the stand-up but when you're the older less athletic fighter I think you have to be a little especially at light heavyweight be a little more aware of the risk of getting that close and fighting with that much pressure because as soon as he stepped in there with that pressure and just kept throwing so aggressively it felt so risky and it wasn't really a surprise to see that first right hand land and from there it was just a matter of time so the i was not in a great place when the main car, main event started on this card and i started to get a little more optimistic as the main event went on because leon edwards looked as good as he always looks but even more aggressive so even better Landed a beautiful head kick that wobbled Muhammad. Had some nice one-twos, as he always does. Looked to be in his rhythm, in the pressure. The only thing he didn't like was in that first round, he landed an eye poke, and it spoke to that aggressiveness that Edwards was displaying. He was part of his game plan tactics was walking forward, with a probing right hand and southpaw. And he kept that open. He kept it horizontal and keeping it so close let him switch it into a fist very quickly to try and time the jab and just constantly press forward. But you land one eye poke, the ref tells you not to stick your hands out and you've got to listen. And he didn't, he kept doing the same thing. His hand kind of constantly in this range and it is a freak accident. Muhammad comes forward. Edwards has his hand out and finger and eye. It was brutal to watch. Muhammad was in agony. There was really no question about whether this fight was gonna continue. You could tell the savage was coming near instantly. And <laughs> You, you feel like Edwards is almost cursed in some way because I, I told you how unlucky of a run he's had in this past year and that just continues with this fight. He, the commentary was non-stop on how a win pretty much cemented him, a title shot, and it seemed like it was going to be near effortless for him to get that and this was really the only thing that could get in the way of it. It's just, I, I'm I think more of a fan of Edwards than your average UFC consumer, so I have that and I feel like he looked great. But I'm I'm conflicted between how much to blame Edwards and how much to blame the gloves. I I think the Edwards tactic is fair and. So the worst eye poker for me is John Jones. If you watch like his fight against uh, Shogun Hua where he won the belt, he had his hands straight out like this, pushing the palm or the forehead of Hua and the eye poke threat just kept Hua on the back foot. That's not what Edwards was doing. He wanted it to be a jab, but you don't keep a fist closed the whole time because it's harder to parry strikes. You keep the open hand to be able to parry with that lead hand. And he had his hand, not like this for the eye poke, but like this. But the you land one eye poke, the referee tells you, keep your hands up. That's what the rules say you have to do. And he doesn't. And because he doesn't in part, this eye poke happens if you had gloves that allowed the hand to, to curve more naturally instead of forcing the fingers to be constantly straight I don't think this happens it the eye poke when you look at like a photo it didn't go too deep into the eye like some it was very shallow just at the bottom so accidental but avoidable if Edwards had change his fight tactics after the first the fight is called a no contest so why would he 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 doesn't suffer from it as nearly as much as he potentially could have if the eye poke had been like a millimeter a centimeter in a different situation edward or muhammad would have probably been happy to continue if The damage had been a bit less bad, and maybe that would have contributed to an Edwards stoppage. So, the UFC has to do something. They've got to punish the eye pokers more, they've got to change their gloves. But this is such a problem, and it was just such a tough card for me overall, watching two Canadians get stopped back to back and having the main event end like this. I'm frustrated and i don't i don't know there's you could run this fight back i mean i don't think it's going to be lasting damage from muhammad but edwards is already looking forward maybe he thought muhammad would be out for longer there's like a stretch of no fights so it's not going to happen but i'd love to see the ufc just say fuck it between uh the ufc pay-per-view between stipe and ganu and the april 10th card between vittori till let's just make this fight happen five rounds put it on fight pass don't bother like trying to set up a whole 10 15 fight card just maybe a couple openers if you can i'm sure someone's game i'd I'd love i just want to see edwards fight again he looked great and he just has to tame the aggressiveness a little with that lead hand but Overall, a really frustrating UFC card for me. That's going to wrap up this combat corner. I can't wait to get to whatever's making you make all these faces, which we will get right to after a short break. And we're back this Saturday night. Sports games are on, so we can't help but have them on as we watch, which hopefully is not too much to the detriment of this show and gives it a little something different, a little pop. Um, I know the raps just hurting your soul a little through that combat corner segment. Tell me why.
0: All right, Henry Ellenson just hit a three, so we're back. I love the Raptors again. Um, <laughs> that's the thing about basketball it's so up and down. Just without Pascal, without OG, without Fred, this team is just pure, like, they struggle so so much to score a single point on the offensive end because it's Lowry throwing these amazing pocket passes and Aaron Baines just throwing brick hooks on the roll and Watanabe getting swatted and uh, Boucher trying to shoot threes because now he's getting extra shot attempts. And it's just, without Powell and Lowry on the floor, this team would be a G League team. That's what it feels like. And you've got Paul Watson in the starting lineup or at least getting major minutes, who is usually the 15th guy in your rotation. I know no hate towards Paul Watson, but he's not a guy who should be playing in these type of games. He's a guy who's playing garbage time in the fourth quarter. And you're still looking to develop him because he's only in his second year in the league. So brutal to watch in that front. Um, it harkens back to some of the Raptors teams of old where you've got like Calderon and Bargnani uh, not much shot creation. You've got Bosch on the floor. Of course he'll, he'll put up some buckets uh, uh, there's that little dead era before DeRozan and Lowry took over, but yeah, it's, it's been tough. The offense is not there. And if they're not bringing a hundred percent on defense, then you're going to get games like they had against Charlotte last night, where they just gave up a ton of threes. Lamelo was doing his pump fake three sixty, no scope three. Uh, and they're just, and you get lit up. And so there's really not much to say. We just need to get our guys back and Hopefully, I mean, they've missed so much time now you got to imagine one of them contracted, if not more contracted the virus and you have worries about how they're going to come back and play after because Tatum has mentioned about the after effects, how it's been affecting him and uh, just it. Yeah, I got to take a bigger perspective and say if they make the playoffs, that's great. Um, But after all that's happened, there are no expectations on this team anymore. Living in Tampa going through this now three-week stretch of COVID scare, having to do the things they've had to do and still fighting every night. Best case scenario, they make the playoffs. Worst case, we've got a top 10 pick pretty much. And you can't complain about that when this draft is projected to be well. So that's all I'm going to say on the Raptors because it's been really tough to watch them these last couple of games. <laughs> I want to move into some other NBA storylines I've picked out. And then we have an NBA top shot pack opening, which will be really, really exciting. Uh, unless I get three Cody Zellers. And then in that case, uh, we might just shut down the pod for good. <laughs> but I will start by talking about the uh, prognosis that came back on Joel Embiid's MRI. He went down hard uh, in a game with the left knee injury of some kind. Turns out it is only a bone bruise. There is no structural damage. Thank goodness for that. He is having an MVP. He's the front runner for the MVP this season. Um He's going to miss two to three weeks, which may hurt his chances there, but you want this guy to be healthy because he has seemed so incredibly locked in and he's doing some great things on both sides of the floor uh, that you just want to watch the best players play. And it might suck. It obviously opens the door back up for LeBron to jump into that MVP conversation again. Uh, Cause I imagine you're going to be with Philadelphia in the number one seed and with you wanting to be, more careful with a player of this magnitude in his recovery, just how the Lakers are doing with Anthony Davis. I think it'll be longer than than two weeks until Joel is back, and that will hurt his MVP chances. If you're a Sixers fan, that's fine. You want to win a championship. Today, we had Steph Curry and our Canadian boy, Andrew Wiggins, going off for a combined 60 points. Curry with 32, Wiggins with an incredibly efficient 28. Um, and he played well on both sides of the ball, really having some great defensive possessions against Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and Draymond Green has his patented low-scoring triple-double, 11, 12, and 12. He just does everything for that team. Um, and these are the games that the Warriors really need to win against the top contenders in the West to prove that, they're, uh, that they can punch above their weight limit. Nice little combat corner reference for you there, Max. And that they uh, that they belong in this playoff picture. So well done by the Warriors today. The Atlanta Hawks, as I checked the score right now, are well on their way to becoming, oh, and just final now against the Cavs. They are now 5-0 and since they have switched head coaches. Uh, good mojo for them. Obviously, they get pretty much a freebie win against these Raptors. Uh, but hey, the culture has shifted in that locker room and, and guys want to play for Nate McMillan and they've been playing really well and they're climbing the, the standings. So good for Atlanta. Um, Trey Young is still not an elite player. All right. That is kind of all.
1: Yeah. What level of offense does it take to get that status? Well, everyone
0: can put up numbers nowadays on the offensive end. We've had we have more players averaging 20 points per
1: game than ever in the history of the league. So I'm asking, does it take 30 point average? Does it take 40 point average? Well, that's what he does. Right. No, I'm just asking, is there a number where it's like, okay, defense doesn't matter, you're an elite player? Or does there just have to be defense for you to give out that status? I would say it depends on his
0: usage rate, right? He touches the ball all the time. So he should put up those numbers. So what I would say is, at his usage rate, he should be like a 40 and 10 guy. Right? And, and, of course, the defense instantly will prevent him from ever being one of the top 10 players in the league. And he, that's fine. He can be an all-star every year. He may even make an all NBA team, but um, I don't know. He, he, unless he competes more defensively and unless he can play a little bit more off the ball, because right now he touches it every single possession. Uh, I just don't see him in the same regard as some of these other great young point guards, like a LaMelo ball, like a John Morant, like a Luka Doncic, I guess you could say he could go on. Um, great player, very special. I love the shooting, but. I need to see more from Trey and, and right now Atlanta is having success. So I guess I'm eating my words a little bit.
1: Well, yeah, I'll add two comments to that. First Trey's stocks risen a little in my books, just cause I've heard a couple interviews of him, like constantly complimenting Steve Nash and saying he wants to model his game after that, which just, I feel like anyone who says that gets some respect for me. And also as someone who realized they were never going to be taller than six foot two, i um, love to see someone of that stature making it in the NBA. But secondly, yes, come playoff time, you've got to feel like any game down the stretch, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, that hole is just going to get blown up um, relentlessly, and it's going to be hard to imagine the Hawks being able to plug it.
0: All right. Well, you make some valid points. I have nothing left to say on the matter. I'm just excited to open up some cards because we got our packs delivered a couple days ago. So we'll take a quick break on our end. For you, it will be happening right after this.
1: Right after this.
0: All right. So something a little bit different here. Uh, I've been talking about Top Shot now for a couple months, and I'm excited to bring you some content. We're going to be doing a pack opening. Uh, this is a pre-order pack uh, that pretty much every user, I think there were 180,000 ish that everyone got. Um, this is series two release 21 and going to be opening it up live. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, I will do my best to illustrate what is going on. Uh, but if you want to come take a look, you can visit our YouTube page, uh, sports next door. So here we go. Time to open it up. Let's, should we get the music bumping? I don't know if I don't know if you're able to hear that, but here we go. This is exciting. The pack is being opened, and hopefully, thousand
1: dollars could be made right now.
0: <laughs> and hopefully, my Wi-Fi holds up because right now it is moving very slowly. <laughs> Just
1: all right. The That's music's bumping. Quick bait headlines I could have.
0: <laughs> we got. Three cards in this pack. I will turn off the music. I just want to make sure all of our podcast listeners are ready. Here comes card number one. Getting opening opened up. It is a block by Giannis Antetokounmpo. Whoo, baby, that's a good one. And it is a very low serial number, number fourteen seventeen out of thirty five thousand. Giannis going up with the right hand to reject John Collins at the rim. Very nice. That one will go for a pretty penny. We have card number two, Sacramento Kings block by Hassan Whiteside. Another low serial number, number 2,584 out of 35,000. Wiggins spins in the lane, rejected by Hassan. That one, (laughs) these common cards are not moneymakers by any means, but a pretty cool highlight to add to the collection. And our third and final card opening up right now, we've got a layup by a Houston Rockets, Victor Oladipo, who may not be on the Rockets much longer in this season, depending on what happens as we approach the trade deadline. He drives into the lane, a nice reverse scoop layup there. Uh, And it is also a fairly decent serial number at 9609 out of 35,000 plus. So all in all, for this common pack, $9 in, Going to definitely be more than $9 out, Uh, but cool to have a couple more moments to add to the collection. I've been very fortunate in my collecting uh, duties so far on NBA Top Shot, and hopefully this is exciting for everyone, for the podcast listeners. um, I did my best to describe what we got going on, but if you want to see the moment for yourself, head over to our YouTube page. Uh, I'm really pumped with these, especially the Giannis. That's a sick block.
1: Yeah, we'll okay. keep up to date on what those sell for.
0: Yeah, and and Max, this is, I guess, your first uh, experience with Top Shot. There's there's just such a rush, right? You you've done 2K, whatever Chell, whatever it is, you've opened packs before, and it's such an enjoyable experience. But now there's actually some tangible monetary gain associated with it.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a rush. It's I. <laughs> It, it makes me hesitant to walk into a casino with more than $20 in my pocket because I, I was, as we were clicking open, like picturing the LeBron James dunk and you being thousands of dollars richer and me getting thousands to tens of thousands of clicks on that YouTube channel. And I don't think that's going to happen. I have no idea what this Giannis thing is worth that's a big name so that's kind of cool but yeah very cool very scarily promisingly addicting and seductive in that manner as well but I'm mostly just hyped that you told me about this come January and now I'm seeing and hearing about it from so many different avenues so again congrats to you for getting on that boat early Thanks, buddy. Giannis, Whiteside,
0: and Oladipo. Not too shabby. We will take a quick break and come back to wrap up the pod with some football, tennis, and baseball.
1: And we're back to wrap things up with all of the sports that I cannot keep track of. So, Owen, please update me and our listeners.
0: Gladly. And I want to start. With the football fan cave, we're going across the pond once again. Champions League coming up this week. Uh, Real Madrid, tough uh, match against Atalanta, but they do get the result they wanted. And they're up 1-0 on aggregate as they go into their second leg. and Gladbach has been struggling mightily in all competition. And they're in tough, down 2-0 to Manchester City. Uh, We've got Bayern and Lazio. And then Chelsea, Atletico Madrid is probably the most interesting of the matchups in this uh, slate for this week, but leg two football in the champions league is some of the best sporting uh, excitement that you can get, especially when it gets down to the end and teams are pushing one way or the other, as we saw with uh, Juventus and Porto in the last week. So looking forward to keeping track of the results uh, as they come through in on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, but we will move to the gridiron back here in our continent and talk about some NFL news. Firstly, today, Drew Brees posting a video on Twitter, his kids announcing his retirement from the NFL after 20 seasons, uh, 15 years to the day since he signed with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, As we know, he started his career in San Diego and Drew Brees. I mean, him and Tom Brady back and forth with all the different records that they hold and Uh, A guy that was incredibly reliable, always a high completion percentage, a great game game manager, and uh, one Super Bowl probably was not enough for him, but he does have one in the back pocket, and a really important one for the city of New Orleans after Katrina. So um, he will always be beloved there, and he has provided many entertaining years of football and put up a ton of numbers. First ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, Congrats to Drew Brees, and I look forward to seeing him hopefully in a booth broadcasting, maybe uh similar to a Tony Romo story, because I think he's probably got something lined up. You've got
1: to think quarterbacks probably like the number one, maybe them and linebackers, like just game IQ to fill those roles.
0: Definitely. And I'd probably throw safeties in there as well. But uh yeah, he and especially with him doing it as long as he has at the level that he has. Uh, I think there was rumors. I can't remember. He was in talks with a couple of networks. So I think he. It, it's even more that he's interested as well in seeing the broadcast. And of course, Tony Romo got paid a huge amount of money to do his. So I think a lot of current players saw that and their ears perked up a little bit about, um, and we talked about the media rights, about the future of football broadcasting is not going to be constrained to three networks. There's going to be a lot more parties interested. And so I think there's going to be a lot more uh opportunities for new booths and new characters to be commentating these games so looking forward uh, to see what Drew Brees come does next and uh, if it's relevant it'll be in broadcasting and and I'm sure he'll provide some great analysis moving forward I want to jump into some signings the Green Bay Packers seemingly get a pretty big steal Uh, re-signing Aaron Jones their top running back to a four-year $48 million deal that puts him at $12 million per year, which seems rather low for a guy of his talent. Um, His numbers were restricted by the fact that they did uh, balance a lot of his carries and opportunities with Jamal Williams and, and AJ Dillon emerged a little bit later in the season for the Packers, but super talented. Uh, He scores a ton of touchdowns and a guy who um, has gotten better every season and the Packers get him on a good deal. He really wanted to stay in green Bay is what his agent said. And so I'm sure he took a little bit of a discount because I, he would have got paid in free agency. Um, so a good deal for the Packers and uh, just another weapon that Aaron Rogers can keep this time uh, as they launch another campaign, trying to get back to the NFC championship game. And then hopefully to the super bowl,
1: you seem optimistic Rogers stays.
0: I don't see why not.
1: he, well, it's just not what you're saying uh, after the Green Bay season ended.
0: Yeah. And and that was the story at the time, but we haven't heard much since. Uh, he is engaged and ready to get married. And I don't know if that means he wants too much change in his life uh, and probably better to have things locked down. He is royalty in Green Bay. They will love him forever. and. It seems like that's where he's going to stay with all the other quarterback options in the market, moving around, swinging around. Of course, De- Deshaun Watson looms over everything and, of course, the draft coming up. So we'll see what happens there. It, it seems like, for now, Aaron Rodgers will be a Packer by the time next season gets going.
1: Go, Cheeseheads.
0: <laughs> all right. And then the last deal that kind of went under the radar for some reason, but I'm sure picked up a ton of interest south of the border in the States as they love the NFL and Taysom Hill getting a four-year, $140 million contract. Max, do you know who Taysom Hill is?
1: No, that is a hundred million more dollars than you just mentioned though.
0: Yeah, exactly. So very surprising contract. Uh, There's a lot of minutia that goes into this and I'm not a contract expert, but all years of the deal are voidable. And I think a lot of it is non-guaranteed money. Um, the NFL just does their contracts very differently than other leagues, where like uh, the number that is put up there is rarely ever the number that actually gets paid out to the athlete.
1: Like more Um, or less, or usually a lot less,
0: a lot less. (laughs) And Taysom Hill was the backup quarterback in new Orleans. Um, He is a guy who has shown to be, multiple like an incredibly talented guy because he has played quarterback he's played running back he's played wide receiver he has played uh special teams for them he's blocked a couple punts like he's just like pure athlete and sean payton loves running offenses with him i don't know if he is a long-term quarterback they're obviously going to give him a go based on this contract i'm sure it's laden with quarterback based incentives um they also do have Jameis winston that they can resign who is a guy who has proven that he can at least compete at the NFL level. He throws a lot of picks, but maybe in Sean Payne's offense he can be more successful. But Twitter exploded a little bit with this contract because a lot of people are not in with this new era of NFL quarterbacks um who love to be mobile and and move around and Taysom Hill is just it, it feels a little bit gimmicky. He has had some success, but it will be very interesting to see if he is worth this immense contract. Um the other kind of storyline playing into this is the saints are always in cap hell. And this contract based on the way it's structured will actually free up some cap space for them based on what he was supposed to make going into this season. So I guess that is also something that should be considered when taking stock of this contract, but it is a gargantuan contract and is paying a guy who has never really been a full-time NFL quarterback uh, money elite quarterback money. So, Uh, Again, something interesting to follow. We're still a ways away from NFL season, but uh, the storylines will continue to grow as we get closer to the draft and closer to free agency. So that wraps up my football fan cave. A couple more notes just to wrap up with Alex Manoa in spring training today through three no-hit innings against the backup Yankees. So not necessarily the minor leaguers, uh, MLB caliber uh, hitters, but he blazed through them, seven strikeouts. This Manoa kid, same with Simeon Woods-Richardson, who I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, are the future of the Blue Jays pitching rotation. Uh, so cool to see him showing some of his stuff. He can, He's an absolute unit. He is a large dude, and he can throw heat. So a fun guy to watch when he's pitching. When does and the season start? I believe, and that was actually something else I want to talk about. I think it's coming up April 1st, I believe is the season starts and they are opening up in Texas where the Texas Rangers will have full capacity in their stadium to begin the season. So a full, whatever, 50,000 fans in the stadium, yelling, screaming, uh, not all of them vaccinated. And it will be the first kind of uh, super spreader test event of how you're managing people with half vaccinated, some people not, how you can have everyone wearing a mask but not be able to moderate it at all there's no mask mandate in texas
1: anymore and that's i imagine the only reason this is happening so i would be very surprised if even half the stadiums wearing masks Uh, yeah i'm worried and
0: i just hope for the blue jays sake that they don't get anywhere near six feet of the uh, stands no going for foul balls if they're (laughs) <laughs> headed towards the stands don't you, get anywhere near them
1: you put your uh, glove over your face and use your bare hand to catch it like a real <laughs> cricket
0: player yeah i uh i can't Adds even a little imagine. more suspense
1: it, to the game too
0: you may have to tune in my friend it is going to be a bizarre first sporting event to see back with full fans because obviously we've seen some videos of like new zealand rugby things like that but this is the first more north american event which will have fans and you got to imagine it's going to be crazy because everyone's been dying to get back and watching sports. Uh, so probably some much watch TV, at least for the first five minutes and then you can turn it <laughs> off because it's not going to be fun after that. <laughs> yeah. At least for the baseball haters, I'm going to love it. All I right. be happy
1: because I certainly am not happy after Gene uh, Bouchard giving a little bit of hope and then dashing that hope yet again. She has only ever won
0: one ATP tournament back in 2014. And of course, she made the finals of Wimbledon that one year when Jeannie's army was in full effect and everyone was very hyped for her success. Uh, I don't, And I think that was a flash the pan. She never showed she was a top tennis player. Of course, there was a lot of potential. Um, but she's kind of settled into where she'll probably end up for the rest of her career. And that is an incredibly successful tennis player who will get a couple shots here and there, uh, but is not does not belong with some of the elite women's players. And that's okay. She made it to the finals of the Abierto de Guadalajara Open and uh, fell to a slightly higher-ranked opponent. And that seems to be what it's going to look like for Jeannie uh, for the next couple of years. And, and that is not me hoping. I'm hoping that she rekindles that success and goes on a run it's always great for tennis and for all the young women out there in canada who are getting into tennis and need an idol to look up to especially with bianca's injuries right now uh so best of luck to Jeannie. and uh that's a tough one to swallow but go get them next time champ
1: (laughs) we're rooting for you and i'm ready to gamble a date on twitter anytime oh
0: absolutely that was an incredible story when she went to the brooklyn nets game with that guy
1: there was like a Grey Cup, I think a Super Bowl, maybe two Grey Cups. I think it was quite the romance. Yes,
0: she uh, she likes her publicity stunts, if if that is the appropriate term. But we still love her.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I wish I wasn't twelve years old when Genie Army was a thing and had a shirt to flash, uh, snap my fingers, and boom, it's on. But I don't. So yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I I think it's the end of the podcast is where I'm going with it.
0: Yeah, Max has had a beverage or two. Um, I don't really have an excuse except that I can just say that I'm tired (laughs) and I got another busy week of school ahead of me. But until then, uh, we'll see you all on Friday. Thank you once again so much for listening. Uh, Thanks for making all the way through with us. I hope you enjoyed Uh, some sports commentary, (laughs) the live updates, and some NBA Top Shop content. Wow, I stumbled through that one. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. Share with your friends. Write us a review on Apple Play Podcasts. Uh, would mean a ton. And yeah, thanks, Max. I'll throw it over to you.
1: Stay safe. Be precise in your words. Sports next door signing off.